I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The perception was that Pricing at Bed Bath & Beyond was uh, out of touch with reality and higher than a lot of those other national competitors. Welcome to Episode 60 of The Great Fail, a podcast that examines the greatest success stories and their spectacular fails. What led to the demise of the most prolific people, brands, and companies. I'm your host, Deborah Chen, and this week we'll be looking at Bed Bath & Beyond. On the afternoon of Friday, September 2nd, 2022, police responded to a 911 call that a man had been found near a 60-story apartment building known as the Jenga Tower. The eye-catching skyscraper based in Tribeca, New York, was known for its distinct architecture resembling stacks of Jenga blocks and had long drawn the attention of tourists and locals. But on that day, the attention was on the criminal investigation happening on site. Police arrived promptly after receiving reports about a lifeless body near the building, and they soon discovered it to be 52-year-old Gustavo Arnell, a beloved husband, dedicated father, and a prominent executive. As the investigation unfolded, the New York City Medical Examiner's Office made the heartbreaking determination that Arnell had tragically taken his own life by leaping off his luxury 18th floor apartment. They found no note, no explanation. The shockwaves rippled through the community and intensified as investigators delved deeper into Arnell's life. And to their astonishment, they discovered that just two weeks prior, he had been embroiled in a class action lawsuit, naming him as the man behind a $1.2 billion pump and dump stock scheme. As a chief financial officer, Arnell had been accused of artificially inflating his company stock, engaging in deceptive practices, issuing false statements to investors, and then selling his shares at elevated prices. And the company at the center of this financial scandal was none other than the legendary Bed Bath & Beyond. Welcome to the story of Bed Bath & Beyond, selling bedding and bath staples since 1971, Beyond Repair by 2023. Thinking back, Bed Bath & Beyond has played a pivotal role in every major moment in my life. From my first time going away to college, to then moving into my first New York City apartment. 
moving out of the city into Brooklyn, and then the big cross-country move to Los Angeles. All of these adventures, every new chapter of my life has always included a trip or two or three to Bed Bath & Beyond, helping me really settle into my new surroundings and complete that feeling of creating my home. Even when Amazon came into the picture, there wasn't quite a match for being inside a store, feeling the merchandise, and finding inspiration for how to design my living space. And then, not to mention those conspicuous blue coupons that would come in the mail every so often, piling up in stacks just waiting to be cashed in, even after the expiration date has passed. It was like a get-out-of-jail-free card, except better, because it took 20% off of any item every time you came into the store. Every time. These days, though, I don't think there's anyone that hasn't seen a huge store-closing sign slapped across a Bed Bath & Beyond. It's happening all across the United States. A sad reminder that all good things come to an end. And that also, everything is replaceable, which is probably why the absence of what was once so special now seems to be replaced by store experiences from Target, Home Goods, Pottery Barn, and even Ikea. It seems it was only a moment ago when Bed Bath & Beyond was the store that people would go to for quality merchandise, top brands, and a discovery zone for home shopping that made it inspiring and fun. Except what we know now is that the company was laden in debt, mired by poor leadership, inventory mismanaged, and at the end, it folded faster than a flash sale on Black Friday. Back in the day, co-founders Warren Eisenberg and Leonard Feinstein grew up in New Bedford, Massachusetts. The men were about seven years apart, so their paths didn't cross until destiny led them to the doors of Arlen's, one of the nation's pioneering discount retailers. Eisenberg's childhood was marked by humble beginnings. He grew up in the tenements without basic amenities like hot water or heat. And so by the time he was 14, he had taken a job at Arlen's to help feed his family. Feinstein, the younger of the two, skipped his graduation from Cornell University when he found out that Arlen's had a position waiting for him. At the time, it was one of the fastest-growing companies, so these positions were seen as a career move, setting both of them up for a professional trajectory. As the 1960s rolled in, Arlen's confronted formidable adversaries in the likes of Kmart, Walmart, and Caldor. And so, recognizing that the writing was on the wall, Eisenberg and Feinstein made the life-changing decision to forge their own path. They invested $50,000 each to open up the first two bed and bath stores in 1971. These stores offered linens and towels, an array of bed and bath accessories, all at incredibly discounted prices, which appealed to the budget-conscious shoppers. In those early days, bed and bath operated on a shoestring budget, even opting not to spend money on the newspaper circulars, which kind of hindered their growth at first, but also allowed them to be fiscally prudent. But then came an unexpected turn of events as they oftentimes do in these success stories. Designer bedsheets started to become a hot trend. You see, in the past, everyone just bought white sheets, and now they were looking for more fashionable bedding designs, which made bed and bath a hot ticket. 
and boy, did they capitalize on that. They soon became the retailer, solidifying their position as the most sought-after destination for stylish and affordable home goods. By the mid-1980s, they grew to 20 stores, and in 1987, the brand was renamed Bed Bath & Beyond. They went public on the NASDAQ in 1992 at $17 per share and continued to dominate for the next several decades. What Bed Bath & Beyond was most successful at was planting their roots during the era of the category killer, a time when a few big box operators offering a huge selection of merchandise at discounted pricing. It's called the category killer because oftentimes this strategy helps kill the small mom-and-pop shops that couldn't compete. Here's Seth Basham, retail research analyst at Wedbush Securities who covered Bed Bath & Beyond, talks about how the founders differentiated their business model by keeping an ear on what their consumers wanted. The founders, Feinstein and Eisenberg, uh, were uh, innovators in this space. Uh, so we talked about the store model they developed and how they able to stamp that out across the country. But from a merchandising standpoint, uh, having those key national brands and those relationships with those brands is important. Then there was a localization aspect to the merchandising as well. They gave their store managers a lot more authority than most uh, chain retailers to uh, uh, modify the assortment based on the demands of the customers in a given uh, area. And uh, to support that, they oftentimes had merchandise distributed directly to their stores by vendors, as opposed to through distribution centers, the way most national chain retailers would do. So uh, that was an important differentiator for them to adapt to local demand. Another factor in their formula for success was the use of deliberate clutter inside their stores. It was meant to foster this immersive shopping experience while their racetrack floor plan led people through the aisles offering alluring merchandise at every turn. And instead of relegating shopping baskets solely to the store's entrance, Bed Bath & Beyond strategically placed them throughout the store, inviting customers to change their mind about just browsing. Yeah, in the early days, it felt pretty exciting. I mean, I went there as a child, and I was uh, excited with all the selection of sheets and towels and uh, whatnot, believe it or not. Uh, so, um, and then as they uh, continued to deliver in uh, some of the kitchen areas, uh, all the different gadgets, uh, all the different coffee makers, it really was a fun place to shop. And then oftentimes you could find things that surprised you, whether it be gumball machines or uh, any other um, novelty item around the holidays. Uh, so it was a fun place to shop for um, all types of people. And then there were the coupons, those blue postcard mailings that generously allowed customers to take off 20% off anything in the store, including that high-end blender or the Keurig coffee maker that they've been eyeing. This was the value proposition that made shopping at Bed Bath & Beyond so satisfying. You always left feeling like you scored a deal. The other thing was consumers thinking they were getting a good deal. And that was oftentimes um, associated with their ubiquitous 20% off coupons. Uh, so people would get those in the mail. They would save them uh, until they took that trip to the store. So that created a, a loyalty component and a sort of value component uh, that consumers thought they had. With this business model, 
Bed Bath & Beyond grew steadily. By January of 2014, the company had operated more than 1,500 stores in North America and hit a share price of $70. Despite Bed Bath & Beyond soaring to great heights, it was unaware that its own fate would soon be put on layaway. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. E-commerce took off in the early 2000s, and people started to get more comfortable with online shopping for home goods around 2010. During its heyday, Bed Bath & Beyond was led by former CEO Stephen Tamares, who was an old-school retail guy. His business model came down to an approach that he called stack it high and let it fly, meaning if you load your stores with tons of inventory, people will buy it. And that worked for shoppers for many years. But as consumer habits began to change, he unfortunately resisted changing the store layout or even getting together an e-commerce plan despite all of his competitors who were investing in digital strategies. Steve Tamaris was the CEO from early 2000s up until, um, you know, 2018 or so. He was really the driver of stamping out the model across the country and uh, making sure that the operations were really sound. Steve Tamaris was resistant to change with uh, the times. And what I mean by that is as the internet became a more popular way to shop this category, uh, he was slow to think about Bed Bath uh, creating a website uh, for shopping. Uh, He thought that would be uh, the antithesis of um, uh, what his customers wanted because um, they were so used to coming in and seeing that merchandise uh, you know, stacked floor to ceiling, get that service and information about what uh, they want to buy or need to buy or questions about what was best for their uh, situation. So uh, he resisted uh, creating a Bed Bath website. And meanwhile, we saw uh, this category, home furnishings, start to take off online driven by uh, Amazon first. And when you're talking about products that are mostly national brands, you can more easily compare prices uh, of those products between different retailers, including a- Amazon and, and Target and others, especially when they're online. And the perception was that pricing at Bed Bath & Beyond was uh, out of touch with reality and, and higher than a lot of those other national competitors. And customers started 
uh, shopping at those other players more frequently than they came to Bed Bath & Beyond. Falling behind on the brick-and-mortar sales and getting a late start on e-commerce would prove to be a double whammy difficult to recover from. Frustrated by falling revenues, a group of activist investors stepped in and ousted Tamaris to bring in a new leader in hopes that he would help revitalize the company. Uh, activist investors got involved in the stock and uh, pushed the board to make management changes. Uh, so Steve Tamaris departed uh, incomes. Mark Tritton from Target. He had been a chief merchandising officer there, and he had orchestrated their private brands rollout, uh, especially in the home bid category, and played an important role in some of the omni-channel developments there as well. So the plan was to take a lot of those learnings and apply them to Bed Bath & Beyond. Mark had a few tricks up his sleeve. He was the guy who had successfully turned around Target, and his presence seemed promising, at least in the beginning. His plan was to eliminate all clutter in the stores and create a better, more organized shopping experience. And to that, he would introduce private label brands to Bed Bath & Beyond, just the same as he had done successfully at Target. If it worked for Target, it would surely work for Bed Bath & Beyond, right? Unfortunately, the strategy was a failure. Under Triton, Bed Bath & Beyond replaced what the customers came in for. The coveted name brands like All Clad Cookware, OXO Kitchen Products, and Mikasa China with their own set of products. The introduction of private label brands resulted in an inventory of low-quality products, and the management felt the wrath of that from its lackluster sales numbers. In fact, without providing what their customers wanted, and with very little demand, Bed Bath & Beyond was forced to discontinue three of their private label brands, attributing that to the setback of a misread of product demand, which was the root of the problem. In fact, a store manager in California said their location once received a shipment of 95 purple rugs under their Wild Sage private label that they had to discount by 80% because they couldn't get rid of it. It turns out that the assumption of something that worked for your competitors doesn't always mean it will work for you. And it became evident cookie-cutter methods don't always guarantee success especially when the equation doesn't factor in what consumers wanted. Revenue continued to drop along with Bed Bath & Beyond stock price. Some would argue that one of the most fatal decisions that Bed Bath & Beyond ever made was in its buyback program. From 2004 to 2022, the company spent $11.8 billion to buy back its own shares. Companies typically buy back or repurchase their shares from existing investors when it thinks its stock price is undervalued. For instance, if the shares of Bed Bath & Beyond were once at $70 and then fell to $60 per share, company management might begin buying up a lot of those shares to signal to everyone else, hey, it's discounted and we're going to buy it now because we're confident it's going to go back up. Sometimes it's false confidence to show face, but other times it's a way for companies to invest in themselves. Share repurchase plans can also have benefits for the company. 
and they're not always an inherent sign of distress. But the plans do tend to be expensive. Bed Bath & Beyond sunk a lot of capital into salvaging its own stock price as it continued to fall over the years. So much that the company didn't have enough cash to pay their suppliers, upgrade their stores, or invest in technology enhancements to improve their e-commerce. And he took some of that cash and started buying back shares because he saw the opportunity um, in the stock, which was looking like a value if he could hit his long-term goals, which were for much higher margins when the, where the company was. But in the background, they were working on uh, introducing uh, a dozen or so private label brands. And um, they wanted to do this on a pretty fast timeline. Um, and as they started introducing these brands, we ran into a global supply chain crisis. So uh, they weren't able to get those products in the stores quickly enough and because of that supply chain crisis. And a lot of those uh, products, when they did hit the stores, didn't resonate. Uh, possibly because they were rushed. They weren't thought through well enough. They weren't tested with the consumer. They weren't of high quality relative to the price that they are offering. And consumers missed some of those national brands and some of that perception that Bed Bath was an authority in these categories because they didn't have some of those tail skews, as I call them. Uh, so that confluence of factors, along with taking all that cash they raised and buying back stock, left their balance sheet really weak and eventually as their sales continued to decline, they had vendors who did not want to ship goods to them because they were afraid they weren't going to get paid. So they had more and more out of stocks, uh, less merchandise for customers to buy, and ultimately um, uh, bankruptcy. In 2014, Bed Bath & Beyond went from having very little debt on its books to being $2 billion in the red just so it can finance the share buybacks. And despite that effort, the stock price continued to plunge. Instead of using capital to reinvigorate its stores or improve the shopping experience, it went into the buyback. Between that and the failure of the private label, there didn't seem to be an easy way off the exit ramp. And then, in 2022... The company's reputation was further tarnished when its executives, including CFO Gustavo Arnell, were named in a class action lawsuit and accused of inflating the company's stock so that he, along with other defendants, could artificially inflate the company's share price. During its final days, Bed Bath & Beyond grappled with significant challenges and struggled to fulfill its obligations to vendors. Despite implementing a variety of new merchandising strategies, launching private label initiatives, and some leadership shakeups, the company was still unable to reverse its fortunes. The inevitable outcome was an end to the 52-year-old company when it filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in April of 2023. The filing revealed staggering liabilities amounting to more than $1 billion. Final days, up to 90% off, are the words that you will find today written at the top of the company's website. So what were the lessons? Lessons are uh, stay up with changes in, in consumer shopping patterns and uh, address them early on. I think that's the basic lesson that may sound uh, uh, trivial, 
Um, but uh, certainly mega changes in shopping habits uh, must be addressed by retailers who must be left in the dark. Now, secondly, uh, when you're doing such a major overhaul of things like you know, 25% of your merchandise shifting to private label brands, you got to do it in measured steps with the right research backing it up. And you also have to make sure that your supply chain partners are uh, able to keep up with that. So it has to be an effort that is very well orchestrated. Um, those would be the key lessons. A familiar narrative unfolds when we step back and look at some of the greatest legendary retailers. Their founders preside over their rapid growth and establish dominance over the market. After the founders step back, aggressive rivals go after their customers and their market share. In a predictable rhythm that runs like clockwork, these struggling companies appoint so-called rockstar CEOs from well-regarded competitors to solve foundational core problems. Yet time and time again, they attempt to rigidly apply the strategy that worked at their last company. And in that formulaic approach, they seem to leave out the most crucial factor, listening to the voice of the customers. Instead of building a solution for their audience base, they use the one designed for a different company with different customers. And that final step is what sends these once proud icons to the brink of bankruptcy and beyond. Special thanks to Seth Basham at Wedbush Securities for his contributions to this episode and sharing his insights on the iconic retail giant, Bed Bath & Beyond. And thank you for tuning in this week to The Great Fail, a program that spotlights some of the most infamous case studies of failed businesses, brands, and ideas, and goes beyond that to garner lessons and wisdom so that we all can learn from the greatest mistakes. The Great Fail is part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. The research on each episode is extensive, but none of these episodes would be possible without the tireless efforts of researchers, writers, and reporters. They are all credited on thegreatfail.com under our show notes. Connect with us at The Great Fail on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that we can continue bringing you more episodes. And remember, with great failure comes great liability. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.